from championship. Stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown! Legendary plays. He's gonna win the football game. Auburn's gonna win the football game. He ran the miss field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not gonna keep him off the field tonight. From the 25 of Auburn. Here's the give, Henry. Near side, big hole, open. He's gonna go. Covering the best rivalry in college football. This is the Iron Bowl Hour. And welcome back into the Iron Bowl Hour. Another week of college football is behind us. We are getting down to into the thick of things here in the college football season getting towards the end of the season here the iron bowl is quickly approaching college football playoff is quickly approaching the dominoes are starting to fall we're starting to see uh what it's going to come down to at the end here so very exciting times in the world of college football and in auburn and alabama athletics as well so zach i will welcome you into the show uh a bit of a sad weekend for both of us uh when it comes to auburn and alabama um, how you holding up over there? Yeah, we uh we we consider just not doing anything because it's just yeah. uh, uh much too sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got some sad energy going over there. You sound like somebody just died. Um, but yeah, obviously Tua goes down with the hip injury. Devastating blow for Alabama and to college football in general, really. I mean, just such a fun player to watch and obviously a great kid by all accounts. Um, so that was definitely tough to see. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more in depth a little bit later into the episode. Um, but yeah, d- that along with Auburn loss and uh, you had the photographer getting knocked out in the Auburn game as well. I mean, it's just a, a dark cloud over the college football weekend this this past weekend. Yeah, All right, Zach. Uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is indeed, but we will move along. And uh, let's let's talk about the the games this weekend and the uh, the pick six. So uh, how did we do in the pick six this last weekend? Uh, yeah, that didn't go very well either. So <laughs> of course, uh, we'll start with what we did well. We did have Alabama covering or Mississippi State, and they did do that. Alabama wins thirty-eight to seven, covering the twenty-one point spread. Uh, moving on, Georgia, 21-14 winners over Auburn. Georgia was a three-point favorite, uh, so they cover. We both had Auburn, so we both missed that one. Uh, Oklahoma and Baylor. Oklahoma has to come back after a 28-3 deficit uh, to win on the road. They beat they beat Baylor 34-31. to Oklahoma does not cover, so I got the point there. Clay misses as he had Oklahoma covering. And, you know, just like uh, we saw with the Falcons and I believe we saw with Michigan State earlier this year, you don't want to have a 28-3 lead because those don't ever seem to go well. Yeah, it's not a, not a great number for the uh, leading team there. Yeah, so pretty rough first half by Jalen Hurts in that one. He had a couple turnovers, uh, but really turns it around the second half. I think he ended up with like five total touchdowns in this game. And 
able to get his team back in it. So that's that's going to be huge for them to even have a chance at the at the playoff going forward. Safe right, to move, say Baylor's eliminated after that game. Uh, probably. It's it's weird though since they're going to play Oklahoma again. Probably. So right. I don't know. It seems it, like the uh, the Big Twelve might be having a hard time getting in anyway. It looks like just the way they've been ranking the the Big Twelve teams so far. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely looks like it'll be close for them, but I think Oklahoma's a team who has to win uh, if they're going to get a team in. I, I don't think Baylor's going to make it at this point. Even if they do beat Oklahoma in the championship game, I mean, already having a loss to them and not really having a quality win outside of that game, I think that's really going to hurt them. I, I, I mean, their schedule was just so soft this season. And only having that one win in the championship game, I know you're conference champions, but, I mean, just a, a pretty weak resume there for them. So I, I think they're out, especially when you look at the other teams that they're going to be going up against. Uh, I think they're effectively out now. Yeah, and move, moving on to Oxford, a playoff team in LSU, picks up a 58-37 win. Uh, the point spread on this one was 21. They win by 21, so that one's a push. Nobody gets any points there. The LSU defense looked kind of rough, especially in the second half. LSU was up 31-3, to I believe, at halftime. But they, they give up 30-something points there in the second half. And Ole Miss goes for over 400 rush yards in this one. John Rice Plumley breaks the Ole Miss school record for rushing yards by a quarterback at 212 yards. But Burrow still had a huge game, 32-42, of 42, 489, five touchdowns. He did have a couple picks, which kind of helped Ole Miss. Uh, score some of those 37 points. And then Jamar Chase had another big game, eight catches for 227 and three touchdowns. So definitely didn't slow down the LSU pass game, but uh, Elmas found some things in the LSU defense. And kind of what I've been saying uh, most of the season, it seems like LSU and Alabama, when two was healthy, were very similar football teams. Yep. And that both of them have really, really good passing attacks, but their defense – has not been what it has been over the last four or five years, what you're used to out of an Alabama and LSU defense. and So that may be something going forward you have to watch out for with LSU is they, hate, they play some of these teams going into the playoff. That defense may be their Achilles heel. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested to see how their defense will match up against a high-powered offense like an Ohio State or somebody like that. I, I still think their defense isn't really as bad as some people think when they see these – 37-point games against Ole Miss and some of the other games as well. Um, I, th I think they're a pretty decent, above-average defense. This Ole Miss game kind of reminded me of the Vandy game earlier in the year. I think Vandy hung up a decent amount of points on them, but the game was over early, and I don't know, games can just kind of – you just kind of start going through the motions after they get over in the first half. So not too worried about LSU still. I think they're still – think they're the best team in the country. Um, obviously, this passing attack is absolutely ridiculous, but – yeah, I think the defense is above average, too. And it came out this week as well that uh, Michael Divinity returned to practice. It's still kind of unclear what his status is with the team, but going forward that could be a really good addition to this defense to get him back. Yeah, this, this is an interesting game. Ole Miss was able to make it a nine-point game there in the third quarter uh, before LSU was able to pull away again. So uh, just an, it's a weird game. I know that's a rivalry game, so yeah. Most people don't don't remember that, but uh, just something to watch going forward with LSU and their and their defense. Uh, Iowa ruins Minnesota's undefeated season. We talked about how sad it would be if you go to a, a cold field in Iowa, surrounded by cornfields, and your undefeated season comes to an end. 
And that is exactly what happened. Um, yep. So, Iowa wins this one and covers. Uh, they win by four, so they cover the three. We both missed that one. We had Minnesota. And then Notre Dame, big winners over Navy, 52-20. to 20. Notre Dame was a 10-point favorite. They easily cover. I had Navy for some reason. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I said I didn't know why. That's probably – that's what happens when you don't know why. You end up losing. So Yeah, looking back, uh, that's a little bit of a questionable pick. <laughs> so – this week we're both two and three and one, and on the season uh, for the raw numbers, Clay is forty-two twenty-eight and two, and I'm forty-one twenty-nine and two, and with his three bonus points he earned on the double downs, Clay is up forty-five forty-one. Yeah, you might have to start doubling down on these last couple weeks, Zach, to uh, do some catching up because coming down to the wire here, and you you got some points to make up, so those double downs might be your best friend from here on out. Yep, time to get desperate. <laughs> Yeah, I'm afraid so. Uh, it could be back-to-back seasons for me uh, as pick six champion. Um, what other games you want to talk about here? Uh, we had the Iowa State-Texas uh, game. Iowa State coming out with the win there. Hits a, a last-second field goal for the win. Um, kind of having the, the tables turned on Texas there. Uh, they, I feel like they've had a ton of last-second field goal wins with Dicker the kicker. Um, but, yeah, Texas is dropping now to 6-4. and What did you make of that game, Zach? Uh, just – Surprising, I guess. I mean, the Texas yeah. defense continued just to struggle. And uh, we talked about, you know, the surprising FPI predictions we saw before the season of Texas going like 8-5. and five, And looks like that's probably going to happen. Um, yeah. So they still have they still have to play Baylor. And that, that might be another loss on the, on the record for Texas. Very well could be. Yeah. All right, Zach. So the college football rankings came out tonight. This is the first time we're able to record – Post uh, playoff rankings reveal, not anything too crazy there. You had LSU at one, Ohio State at two, Clemson at three, Georgia at four. Kind of makes sense. And then you have Alabama on the outside looking in at five, followed by Oregon. Um, so yeah, nothing too crazy there. Pretty much to be expected. Um, obviously Georgia with a big win on the road against against a decent Auburn team. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, they're going to hold strong at four. Still can't quite jump. The undefeateds there, which is totally understandable to me, but I thought they got it right. It's interesting to look at that that five and six there with Alabama and Oregon. Uh, them saying that Alabama has a better resume right now, which I would agree with, but I, I would be curious to see if they're going to put a lot of weight on the conference championship when if if and when Oregon wins that and they see if they jump Bama, and it might not even matter those. Uh, front four teams might win out and then you'll have LSU and Georgia both in there along with Ohio State and Clemson so it might not matter but if LSU is to beat Georgia there's that spot's going to open up and uh, Alabama could sneak in if they don't put a lot of weight on conference championship but if they do uh, could be Oregon there as well yeah I think that'll probably come down to how Alabama uh, looks against Auburn if they win that game and win it convincingly I think the head-to-head uh, common opponent you have between Alabama and Oregon would favor right. Alabama uh, since Oregon lost to that team on a neutral field and Alabama, if they beat them, would have beat them at uh, in Auburn. So that would benefit Alabama, I think, in that case. Um, Oregon's best win would probably be over Utah at that point. Uh, so I guess it's how much they value Utah. And then, you know, that, that team that comes out of the Big 12, how much do they, are they valuing the Big 12? As you can see, I mean, you got Oklahoma there sitting at nine, um, and Baylor down at fourteen. So they just 
are not seeming to give a lot of credit to uh, the Big 12 teams and, and what they've accomplished so far. Yeah, they're really not. I mean, you look at Oklahoma's schedule, they really don't have a quality win either other than that Baylor win that they just got this last week. So, I don't know. We'll see how things shake out. I I feel like Alabama very well could get in there. Some people are writing them off. But if they win against Auburn, that's – which, you know, to me a win against Auburn right now isn't as great as some people are saying it is. Um, but you get that win on the road, I mean, against a, a top 15-ranked team – that's going to be a really good notch on your belt. All of a sudden you have a couple decent wins you can hang your hat on and a, a close loss against a loss against LSU. Um, I think you can make a case for Alabama in that playoff spot. So definitely don't think uh, all hope is lost for Alabama fans just yet. Uh, but a lot riding on that Iron Bowl. A lot of people have been saying that the Iron Bowl wasn't going to matter this year, but it definitely is. Alabama's got to have it if they're going to have a shot at getting into that playoff. Yeah, it, it pretty much all comes down to to how they view the the loss of Tua. So, I, I think the Oregon uh, Oregon matchup between Alabama and, and Alabama and Oregon would be favorable for Alabama. Like I said, because of that Auburn uh, result, Alabama has a, a right. chance to win that game that Oregon lost. So, uh, it's just going to come down to how they view Tua if Alabama is able to win that game. All right, Zach. And speaking of the Iron Bowl. It was announced that the kickoff will be 2.30 CBS kickoff. Nothing shocking there. Um, that's typically most years uh, when the kickoff is. It's typically that 2.30 CBS game. It's always one of the better games of the weekend. So CBS uh, wraps that up when they get a chance. But looking into that game, Zach, looking ahead here a little bit, we'll get into the Mississippi State and Georgia game here in just a second. Uh, what do you think Alabama's chances are in the Iron Bowl without Tua? Uh, it definitely takes a hit. I, I think I've seen, as far as a, a betting line number, the, the Alabama would go from an eight or nine point favorite in that game to a one point favorite, if that. So, uh, it, it, Tua makes a big difference. And when you're playing the best defense in the conference, and you play, you're playing with a backup quarterback, his only experience is, is a game against Arkansas. I mean, it, it's definitely scary going into that, and it'll be a road environment uh, in Jordan Hare Stadium. So. Uh, it's it's going to be tough o- offensively. You're going to have to uh, have to play a really good game because you're probably not going to be able to run the ball very successfully. So yeah, it's going to put a lot on the shoulders of Mac Jones in that game. And then you start looking at the other side of the ball. Um, after you know we've already talked about how Alabama has struggled at times uh, to stop the run compared to Alabama defenses of the past and. Uh, you know, you talk about the the injuries they saw against Mississippi State, where three more or two more players on the interior of that defense uh, go down with injury and are probably going to be out for this game. Makes you wonder if they'll be back in time for the Iron Bowl, and if they're not, that just puts you behind the eight ball even more. So, uh, Auburn offense hasn't looked great. Uh, didn't look good against Georgia for most of that game, but uh, if the Alabama defense has been susceptible already, and then you add a couple more banged up guys to the to the mix. Uh, you start to start to worry a little bit that you know, you're going to have to score a few more points uh, to try to kind of make up for the deficiencies on defense. Yeah, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Uh, I really think it is going to be a tough spot for Mac Jones. His first real start in a very tough environment in a, on a big stage in the Iron Bowl against one of the best defenses in the country. 
and a defense that's going to stuff the run in all likelihood and put a lot of pressure on Mac Jones's shoulders. Really tough spot for him to come out and make his first big start. So I'm really curious to see how he performs in that environment. He very well could come up, come out and uh, put on the performance of a lifetime. I don't know, but uh, that'll be something to watch for sure. I definitely not going to be as good as Tua, um, but I, I think he, he'll be competent. Uh, I still think the Alabama offense with Mac Jones is better than the Georgia offense. That Georgia offense is just – the more I see them play football, I'm just not impressed with what they're doing on offense right now. Um, so I do think they're a little bit better than Georgia is on offense, even without Tua. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Auburn offense just at some point is going to have to start putting up points. Um, and I'll be interested to see if they can do it up against a not great Alabama defense. They, they've really got to get something going on offense. But – We've got a lot of time to preview that. We'll, we'll have a huge episode going into detail about the Iron Bowl. So I, I just want to get your thoughts on it initially uh, after this two injury. All right, Zach. Well, let's move on here. Let's talk about that Tua injury and that Alabama game, and then we'll jump into the big Auburn and Georgia game after that. So Zach, obviously you lose your starting quarterback, your, your Heisman candidate. I mean, really the, the heart of this team um, and just been such an – incredible player for this program uh obviously huge loss for for this team uh what did you make of the injury um if he should have still been in there um what this means for his career what this means for the Alabama team and uh just take us through the game in general as well so what what are your thoughts on it yeah, so obviously there was a lot of question if he would start for sure in this game or not. Uh, so it, it turns out he does. He's able to go, and he looked really good in this game. Um, I think he only had like four or five incompletions throughout the whole first half there. And he, he looked really sharp and was moving around really well. You didn't notice any ill effects at all um, at the start of this Mississippi State game. So uh, it seemed like everything would be all right, and – there at the end of the first half it looked like it might be about time that mac jones would be coming in uh so they they keep two out for one more one more series and of course the you know the the freak injury happens and it it looked a whole lot like the the first injury against tennessee where he's running out of the pocket towards the sideline and throwing the ball away and gets tackled from behind and you know it's uh it's unfortunate it's kind of a freak thing is where his knee gets tucked up underneath him and uh, the two players landing on top of him and you know it's just uh, a, a freak injury like many people have said and uh, here's here's what Saban had to say just about the whole situation and we're all hurting because of it and uh, just like any time you lose somebody in your family uh, for whatever reasons uh, everybody in the family is hurting, and this is all about people, and this is all about the person. Um, and you know, we're pleased that the surgery went successfully, you know, today, and they expect him to have a full recovery. Um, look, I've talked to Tua. I, I'm, I feel bad. I'm hurting. All right, but so I call him on Saturday night to cheer him up. He cheers me up. I called him last night because I've been sitting in that room for 10 hours yesterday watching film. I called him to cheer him up. He cheers me up. Uh, so this is a guy that has great spirit. Uh, he's very positive uh, about just about everything he does and the effect that he has on other people. Uh, I think he's been a, 
you know, great ambassador for college football in terms of the class that he shows and the way he goes about what he does and how he affects other people. Uh, and I don't think there's any way that any of us can say we won't miss that spirit uh, that he has. And, you know, the first thing he says to me last night when I tell him good luck in your surgery tomorrow is he said, well, I just can't wait to get back and see the game on Saturday. Yeah, so you can obviously tell uh, Saban pretty upset about the whole situation. Uh, if you think back to the the Dylan Moses injury over the summer, he was kind of the same way. It kind of felt responsible for that as well. But like he said, with the Dylan Moses injury, I mean, only the way he knows to for his team to get better is to practice, and uh, the only way you can you can keep from getting rusty is to play in games. You can't sit your best players all the time just because you think they might get hurt. I mean, players can get hurt any time. Dylan Moses got hurt in practice. I mean, uh, I've seen plenty of people say he shouldn't have been in there because they were up 35-7. to You didn't need him to beat Mississippi State. Uh, but, I mean, you look at it, if uh, after after he goes out, Mac Jones comes in, the offense only scores three points after that. Uh, so who's to say that they would beat Mississippi State with Mac Jones? You don't, you don't know that. Um, so – it's it's hard to say. Oh, you know, got to sit your players. I mean, three other players got hurt in this game. I mean, do you want to sit those guys out too? I mean, where do you where do you draw the line? I think uh, somebody had tweeted at our Iron Bowl account saying that they, he should have sat after the first quarter, and it's like, well, that's that's great because you knew who's going to get hurt later in the game. It's like, yeah, if you know it, I mean, yeah, you take him out the series before if you knew it was going to happen. Uh, but it'd be one thing if it was the ankle. If the ankle had been re-injured. Uh, then I could say, hey, you know, he probably shouldn't have been in the game. But this is a completely different injury, totally new, and just a freak thing. Like, you, when was the last time you saw a hip injury like that? I couldn't think of one. Uh, uh, C.J. Mosley was the last one I could remember, and that was eight years ago uh, in the 2011 uh, BCS championship game when um, he got a dislocated hip uh, in a similar kind of similar kind of. Uh, uh, fashion as to a uh, being tackled from behind um so i mean you can't coach that way i mean it's like saying i mean you could get in a get in the car right now and get in a car accident and get seriously hurt but I mean, you can't not drive somewhere i mean you can't you can't live your life like that thinking oh something bad might happen like something bad could happen anytime so uh a lot of second guessing going on after the fact and um i mean I don't think he was upset that he was playing against LSU, uh, and he had just been off surgery a couple weeks. So yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of that. But and when when it comes down to it, and you take the emotional reaction out of it, it's just a, a freak accident that happened, and it's terrible, and got to move on. Yeah, I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. You you might look back and say he shouldn't have played or shouldn't have been in there. But I mean, you're right; it's impossible to know that's going to happen. Uh, to, to me, I don't know if anybody's made this comparison, but it reminds me so much of the Kevin Durant injury in the championship uh, last last year or in the spring. Uh, obviously, he goes down with an ankle injury. Uh, I believe it was an ankle in the uh, finals or maybe even earlier in the playoffs, and then uh, they rush him back, and he comes back and has a freak Achilles injury that isn't even related. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought there was a lot of comparisons there. But obviously the main difference is Kevin Durant's competing against the Raptors in the, the NBA Finals and Tua's competing against Mississippi State, which 
it's still an important game that they have to win, but obviously it's Mississippi State and they're a much better team. Um, Alabama is. So I thought going into it, Tua could have sat and nobody really would have blinked an eye. Everybody would have totally understood. Um, because, I mean, you, you say the offense did struggle and they, they did only put up three points against Miss, Mississippi State with Mac Jones in there. But in all likelihood, they're going to beat Mississippi State um, without too much of a problem even if Mac Jones is a quarterback. And you can have Tua ready in, in case of emergency there, uh, maybe when things get in the second half. But obviously, like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, you can never expect that kind of thing to happen. So really just sucks for everybody involved. Everybody wants Tua to be out there and be healthy because he's one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in college football in quite some time, really. And yeah, he's got a bright future ahead of him in the NFL and uh yeah it just sucks for him i hope it doesn't hurt his draft stock too much um i am really interested to know if he had some sort of an insurance policy i know guys in the past have had those to where they get paid out the difference uh from where their draft stock has been hurt uh because of an injury but yeah i mean we forget a lot of times but these guys are going out there putting their bodies on the line and uh not getting compensated for it so they're, they're doing it for free essentially so, sucks for everybody involved. I mean, I don't really know what else to say about it at this point. Yeah, another point. We talked about uh, in the LSU game, he might have looked a little bit rusty in that first half. And that's why you really can't sit a guy for an extended period of time. I saw a lot of people saying he should have sat to the Auburn game. But you think about that long of a layoff, everybody else has been playing football and you've been sitting down for three weeks. What kind of shape are you going to be in? Uh, in a tough road environment against Auburn when you haven't thrown a football in three weeks against live competition. So, um, yeah, it would be nice to sit in, but, I mean, uh, it really interrupts the flow of your play whenever you're sitting down for that that long a period of time when you could be at least playing a little bit. I mean, they're going to play him for a half against Mississippi State. Um, So, I mean, it's not like uh, they're up 55 nothing in the fourth quarter and he's still out there. Um, you look right across at Clemson, uh, seven minutes left in the third quarter. Trevor Lawrence and Clemson are up 45-7. to seven. He's still in the game throwing, th- throwing passes. Uh, threw a 55-yard pass, uh, seven minutes left in the third quarter. Um, yeah, that's insane. Nobody is saying anything about that. So uh, it is not unusual at all. I mean, I understand, yeah, the he just came off with ankle injury, but he looked fine. He was running around fine. You couldn't even tell he was there was anything wrong with him, and the injury was completely separate. So, um, I, like I said, it, it's there's gonna be people out people out there. No matter what you say, are gonna say this is a stupid decision by Nick Saban, and he's putting players in harm's way. And no matter what you say to them, they're gonna believe that. So there's gonna be people out there out there that say that. No matter what, try to. No, no matter what, what way you try to reason with them. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, like we've been saying, I mean, hindsight is obviously twenty twenty. This very easily could have never happened, and nobody would have even thought about saying anything about Tua not should not uh, having played that, that whole first half. So, anyways, we'll move on from the Tua injury. Just, it just sucks. It just sucks really bad for everybody. But, Zach, uh, take us through the rest of this game. Obviously, Bama still wins big here. Uh, offense struggles a little bit when Mac Jones. Uh, what did you see from the offense? What was it that was uh, having this offense struggle after Tua went out? 
Yeah, just inconsistencies on offense. Uh, not able to to run the ball quite as well in the second half as they did in the first half. I don't know if some of it was a little bit of uh, uh, emotional uh, distress going on after what had yeah. happened uh, to their their leader and their quarterback. Uh, I don't know how much you could attribute to that, but um, and obviously with the with Mac Jones in there, not quite as sharp in the in the passing game uh but i think the defense played pretty well in this game shane lee had a big game i believe he had 10 tackles uh, which is the most he's had in any game so far this year as a freshman so uh defense played better against the run they still gave up a few big runs to the quarterback that still kind of seems to be an issue similar to what uh plumley did to lsu they did to alabama earlier this year um so running quarterbacks have been an issue that's something else you'll have to watch going forward because bo nix will be able to to run the football as well uh, in a couple weeks so something to watch there but uh overall defense looked pretty good and you know yeah the the two thing just just sucks that's uh that's about all you can say yeah but alabama escaped starkville with the win i mean like i mentioned going into it if it would have been any other mississippi state team i think they would have had a really good shot in this one even with tua but i mean especially after tua goes out i think mississippi state really could have had a good chance to win this game and kind of spoil Alabama's season. Um, but, man, they're just not very good this season. No, no, they have not been good uh, really throughout the season. And then you, you factor in they're having six to eight players miss games due to disciplinary issues and suspensions from stuff that happened over, over the offseason. Uh, team's kind of a mess. Yeah, a mess to say the least. Um, but yeah, Alabama comes out with a win. Uh, good for them to to not really suffer from that Tua injury, at least just yet. Um, but obviously, that'll play a big factor going forward. All right, Zach. Uh, anything else on Alabama Mississippi State before we move on? No. All right. Well, we will move on to the Auburn and Georgia game. It's a close game. It looked like it was going to be a blowout early. Auburn fights late, comes back and makes it a game. Looks like they they might have a chance to tie this game late in that fourth quarter um i don't know what to say about this one man i feel like we're a broken record saying the same thing in these big auburn games the offense just keeps on not delivering in big games and it's frustrating as an auburn fan when your defense is going out there getting three and out after three and out and your your offense just cannot produce i thought bo nix was okay in this one i thought he probably had his his best game against good competition um but the lack of the running game really just killed Auburn's offense in this one. They could not do anything running the ball. Uh, Jatarvis Whitlow, DJ Williams, I mean, none of these guys could get anything going. I um, have the total rush yards here in front of me. Uh, yeah, they only had 84 rush yards on 36 attempts, uh, good for 2.3 yards a carry. That's just not going to cut it, especially when you're a Gus Miles on offense that just focuses so much on the run game. Um, so, yeah, it's just – it's tough to watch this Auburn offense. It really is. Uh, pretty much the only thing working for Auburn offensively is Bo Nix just throwing it to Seth Williams. The slant routes were working early. They went away from him for a little bit and then got back to him late. Uh, really, it seemed like to me the only reason the Auburn offense found success uh, late in that, that game was because the Georgia defense was backing off a little bit and giving them the underneath stuff. Uh, and really, if they would have just kept playing the same defense that they've been playing all night, I'd don't know if Auburn scores in this one, to be honest. Um, 
So yeah, the Auburn defense just or Auburn offense, excuse me, just I mean it it's just brutal to watch. I mean it's just the same thing over and over again. And to me, I, I think it falls on Gus Malzahn. I mean we've made excuses for him at times, but. I mean, you're an offensive-minded coach, and your offense is the sole reason you are losing these games. If Auburn has just a an average offense this season, they are in the top four in the playoff picture and uh, probably making the playoff and possibly winning a national championship because their defense is that good, and all they need is a respectable offense. That's all they need. And you've got a senior offensive line, you you have this quarterback that you brought in that was highly touted, and really, I mean, I feel like we shouldn't have to be starting a freshman quarterback. I feel like that's also on Gus Malzahn, so it's it's just really hard to swallow because this team is really good. I mean, the defense is unbelievable. It's what unbelievable what they've done. I mean, I know I've said I wasn't high on the Georgia offense, but I mean, you take away that that big play they had for a touchdown early to go up 7 nothing, and this Georgia offense has barely anything to show. Uh, Jake Fromm was only 13 of 28 for 110 yards in this one. He did have three touchdowns, and DeAndre Swift found some success here and there. He, he barely got over 100 yards. Um, but, man, this Auburn defense is the real deal, and it's just going to get totally wasted because Gus Malzahn cannot put together an offense, and it's – it's really exhausting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, after the first half, I, I was done with Gus Malon. He had that terrible timeout going into half, which really, really killed killed this game, I believe, for this Auburn team. Uh, Georgia got the ball back with, I believe, a minute and a half left or something like that, and obviously the Auburn offense was not able to do anything in that first half. And Georgia... Uh, I believe ran the ball on first down, didn't get much, and Gus decides to call a timeout to try to get the ball back with less than a minute left in the half to have to go the length of the field with an offense that is completely incompetent. Just an inexcusable timeout for Gus Malzahn there. I do not know what he was thinking there. He's had several of these timeouts throughout his career that have just not made sense, and it reared his ugly head here in this one and cost Auburn points. Georgia went down the field and scored. Uh, to go up 14 nothing going into half. So that was really a backbreaker for Auburn. And uh, if that wouldn't happen, they would have been able to tie this game late and probably gone into overtime. And, you know, who knows what happens in overtime. But just a stupid, stupid time out there. I don't know what Gus is thinking. I don't know in what world Auburn is going to get the ball back with less than a minute left and go the length of the field to get points against a tough Georgia defense. So. A lot of questionable calls from Gus in this one. That one was obviously the worst. But, I mean, I have some stats here on this Auburn offense in their big games this season. So, in their four, they've had four big games against Georgia, LSU, Florida, and Oregon. I'm throwing Texas A&M in there as well because they are also a top 50 defense uh, when it comes to total defense in the entire country. So, here is some stats on Auburn against top 50 defenses in those five games this season. They're averaging 20.4 points a game, which is just not going to cut it. Uh, just over 300 yards of total offense, uh, 314 yards, uh, 148 rush yards a game, uh, and 3.9 yards of carry rushing the ball. So, yeah, those stats just are not going to cut it in these big games. I know you're going up against good defenses, but 
20 points a game against anybody in today's college football, you're you're just not going to get many wins uh, only scoring 20 points. So I don't know how many times I can say it, how many different ways I can say it, but this Auburn offense is just flatly terrible, and it's it's tough to swallow as an Auburn fan. Zach, what did you make of this game? Yeah, the, the first half for Auburn was, was really ugly. Uh, you start off with a missed field goal, which has seemed to become a trend lately, which is surprising <laughs> with with an Auburn yeah. team. It's usually, it seems like it's been automatic, especially with the Carlson uh, yeah, taking and, the ball. Anders Carlson, just over 40, is just not reliable at all. He's he's going to miss the majority of those, which sucks, but at least he's reliable inside of that. Um, but if you had a decent offense, you could go for it when you're in that, that kind of no-man's territory there. Uh, I will say how this game started off. Auburn was moving the ball pretty well until they kind of stalled out there and had to kick a field goal. Um, when that happened, I knew Georgia was not going to be able to score in this one. So when I saw they were moving the ball and looking pretty good on offense, and you know, obviously it was terrible with Tua's injury, but I mean, looking at that as an Auburn fan, I'm thinking, man, we're moving the ball against Georgia, and you know they're not going to score points. We very well could win this game, and then. Obviously, you go into the Alabama game feeling pretty good about it when they're starting their backup quarterback. At that at that point in the day, I'm thinking Auburn could very well make it into the college football playoff, and then it just unraveled from there. Yeah, after the missed field goal, you had a, a couple three and outs, a, a four-play and out drive. Uh, then you had a 12-play drive where they go for it on fourth down. I can't remember the exact play. Uh, it was some kind of – Outside run or reverse, I can't remember. But was that Detarvius, the Jarvis Whitlow uh, yeah. Wildcat? Yeah, Jarvis Whitlow ends up ends up losing 13 yards on fourth down, and um, yeah, it gives Georgia a good field position there. But the Auburn defense comes back and forces another three and out. Um, you know, the offense uh, comes back with a three and out in their own, and then you have a fumble by by Bo Nix later in the in the quarter, uh, which was another a big point in the game, but. Uh, again, defense bails you out. Um, Georgia doesn't score score another touchdown until later, uh, right there before the half, with the uh, with the assistance of a Gus Malzahn timeout. But yeah, um, I mean, there was a couple drives there where you you probably had something going, and then you either you know you had the fumble, and then the the fourth and short where you lose lose a bunch of yards. But um, yeah. This is kind of why we said that we thought Georgia was probably Auburn's best shot at getting a win over these, uh, you know, the big three rivals, just because of the the Georgia offense. If they didn't play, you know, a fantastic game, definitely not a dynamic offense uh, by any stretch. But uh, yeah, Auburn just not able to piece enough together offensively to uh, to keep up. And uh, right there in the fourth quarter, they did piece together a couple drives, uh, mainly. In, in part to to Seth Williams and um, I did see a lot of uh, a lot of frustration with the officials in this game uh, from players and fans, uh, yeah. especially on the Seth Williams call. Uh, maybe a couple other calls, uh, not getting holding calls, that kind of thing. Yeah, and then there was that face mask on the final drive that they didn't call on Bo Nix. The, the refs definitely didn't help Auburn in this one. Uh, that Seth Williams call was a little bit rough. I didn't think there was enough there to overturn it. It looked like he possibly got his uh, his uh, the tip of his toes down. And I, 
very weirded out by the so-called rule. I don't know if this is actually a rule or not, that if you're going backwards, your entire foot has to be down. It's not just the, the tip of the toes like it is if you're going forward. I don't know if that's an actual rule or not. That was just really weird that Gary and the uh, Joe Test no, not Joe Testator, the, the rules official they have on the broadcast, they both agreed on that rule, which I, I shocks me if that's actually a rule. But anyways, I didn't yeah, think I they were, I don't. I don't think it's an actual rule, but it's like, like physically you can't do it like you can't you can tap your toes going out of bounds forward because your heel is never going to touch but when you're going backwards eventually your heel is going to hit uh and you're out of bounds so yeah uh it's just physically impossible to catch a ball uh in bounds like that and tap your toes because eventually your heel is going to come down because you're going backwards yeah okay fair enough but i i still didn't think there was enough there to overturn it i i was pretty surprised that they overturned that one and that was obviously a huge call and uh then you had the face mask that they did not call on that final drive where Bo Nix was scrambling and got out of that that tackle and obviously had his face mask held there but it it wasn't an egregious face mask it wasn't like his his head got turned all the way around like you see all the time so I mean an understandable missed call I I suppose because it happened really quickly um, and obviously, pretty much every Auburn game, there's a lot of missed holding calls just because Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson are so freaking good that they just get held all the time because they're they're just that good. And so there's always some complaints there for Auburn fans. Some of them are justified, some of them aren't. But, I mean, when you have a defensive line that that's good, that that's just going to kind of be part of it. Um, so, yeah, refs didn't help our situation here, but – I mean, at the end of the day, it's on the offense. I mean, like I said, I've said it over and over again, but it's it's hard for me to excuse, look for other, look to other places for excuses when your offense is just laying an egg week in and week out in these big games. Yeah, and going back to the officiating, I mean, we saw a, a very obvious uh, face mask in the Alabama LSU game on Jalen Waddle that wasn't called. So yeah. we've seen that before. It's not just Auburn getting picked on. And we've seen uh, in the LSU-Alabama game, there was one holding call uh, on LSU that ended up being uh, negated on uh, an offsetting penalty. So uh, that was the only holding call in that game as well. So, yeah, holding is just not called very often. And, yeah, yeah, and those face masks get missed sometimes. And that's just part of it. You have to to deal with, uh, you know, some some missed calls here and there with the officiating. Yeah, and – I want to go back to Georgia's defense, kind of switching things up late as this game got later, um, and kind of go into more prevent and playing off of the receivers a little bit more and giving them the underneath stuff. I really don't know if Auburn would have gotten on the board if they wouldn't have done that. Did, do you agree with that, Zach? Did you see the same thing I saw there? Uh, I didn't. I didn't go back and watch uh, the Georgia Auburn game the second time to really be able to say for sure. Uh, so I. I, I don't. I, really don't have a position to say uh but I, I could go back and watch and see okay fair enough um but yeah georgia's kind of dominated this series as of late um gus malzahn's record against rivals is not good and record against sec opponents is not good either so things really not looking good for gus malzahn at this point uh, it would be very much like Gus Malzahn to win the Alabama game and just barely somehow, some way, find a way to hold on to his job. I'm over it at this point. I've kind of been one foot in, one foot out with Gus Malzahn th- all this season. 
uh, have tried to defend him in the past. But after this game, after having a winnable game at home and the offense still doesn't perform, and it's just the offense is the problem every time, I, I'm over it at this point. I am done with Gus Malzahn officially this time. Even if we do, by some stretch of the imagination, some miracle go on to beat Alabama, I'm still over it. I mean, it's still a lost season. I mean, I know you have a chance for 10 wins, but you're not competing for a championship. You are still going uh, one and two against your rivals for the year. I mean, we can't keep losing the majority of our games to our rivals and to SEC opponents. I mean, we can't have a losing record against these teams. So I'm over it. I mean... I just I can't do it anymore. I'm off the Gus bus. Am I justified uh, here, Zach? Uh, yeah. I mean, only thing is 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 trying to to find someone else to replace him and making sure you're not going to be worse off than you are now. Yeah. Uh, so whoever is in charge of this, I don't know who that would be. I don't know if it's uh, Jimmy Rain or <laughs> the Yellow Feller, Mister Yellowwood himself. That's yeah. It really controls what happens, but. Uh, you you better have somebody that you know will will take the job and uh, just make sure you're not gonna you know end up worse off a couple of years from now than you are right now. So uh, I, I think one of the the biggest things that jumps out to me you look you've seen if you've been on social media you've seen the the stats page going around about Gus Malzahn. I think the one that jumped out to me the most was his record against LSU because LSU while they're good this year they've been there's been some times the past 3 or 4 years where they have not had you know fantastic football teams yeah um so to have the i think they're like 1 in 4 or something against uh 1 in 5 2 and 5 something like that against LSU uh that's the one that jumps out to me cuz i mean you can understand Alabama and Georgia have kind of been competing for national titles for the past right. you know 3 or 4 years but LSU's had some drop offs uh, so that's that's the one that kind of jumped out to me. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I can only think of one win in 2014 against LSU because uh, they did not beat him in 2013, and I can't think of another se- a season where we've won that game. So I think only once in Gus Malzahn's tenure where we have beaten LSU. And, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks because you do have Georgia and Alabama who are just, I mean, essentially powerhouses at this point. So it is kind of tough to compare yourself against them, but – I mean that's just kind of where we're at, and you you got to keep up with the times, and you got to at least beat them when they are when it's a in a winnable position for you. Like this game with Georgia, I mean, was a very winnable game for them. Was at home uh, against an offense that's just not very good, um, and you still you still come out on the losing end. So I'm tired of it at this point. Uh, I mean, Auburn has beaten Georgia three times since. 2006 so i mean i it's not a good look so you, you got to start winning these games at some point and when the offense is consistently the problem it's time to make a change so i'm over it i'm ready to be off the gus bus i'm almost hoping we lose to alabama so we can fire gus um but yeah like you said we, we've got to make sure we're in a better position but at the end of the day we're auburn we are probably a top 10 program in the country we shouldn't have too much of a problem finding a a respectable replacement for him. I've seen a lot of hype around the Auburn fan base for Kevin Steele to come in and get that position. I don't know necessarily how I feel about that. Obviously, love Kevin Steele. think he's a phenomenal defense coordinator. 
Uh, it seems like players like him a lot. He seems like a, a guy who can get players fired up. I've seen some of his speeches he gives pregame and halftime and whatnot. And I mean, he'll get you fired up for sure. So, I mean, I wouldn't hate that as of right now. I mean, I haven't thought about it just a ton yet, so I would need some more time to, to kind of dissect that. But that's a guy who a lot of people are are getting behind and pushing for for this, this Auburn head coaching job. Uh, I think he would definitely get an interview if uh, Gus Malzahn was indeed fired at the end of the season. So, I don't know, Zach. What do you think about Kevin Steele as Auburn head coach? Uh, I think if he can get a good offensive coordinator, it, it could probably work out, uh, yeah, favorably for Auburn. But uh, it would it would hinge, you know, on that. That'd be a, a huge part of it. Uh, and from what I've heard from some people around Auburn, that you know, if Gus Malzahn wants to be the Auburn coach next year, he's going to be the Auburn coach just because of that buyout. So they'd have to convince him that hey, it's in your best interest to move along, find another opportunity and make a deal here then try to drag this on and you just kind of wonder at what point you know does it does it get under the skin of Gus Malzahn to to be in a place where everybody wants him to be gone and how long is he going to put up with you know uh with dealing with the constant negativity like it, it seemed like if it, were, if it were me you know that would be if I was in a place that I really wasn't wanted like it'd probably be enticing to go somewhere else you know uh so how how, how does Gus Malzahn handle that because some people don't care. It doesn't bother them one bit. So you just don't know what kind of person Gus Malzahn is as far as how he handles that kind of thing. Yeah, you don't. But, I mean, just if it was me, it wouldn't bother me one bit. I would just say, if you don't want me here, pay that pay that pretty little buyout and uh, you can get me out of here anytime you want. Um, but, you know, Arkansas is in the market for a head coach. There have been obviously a lot of rumors there uh, about Gus Malzahn possibly jumping ship and going back to his his home state his uh his uh former school in arkansas um so that's definitely a possibility arkansas could possibly help pay that buyout take some of the uh the weight off of auburn uh there so and i mean obviously auburn boosters have the money i mean they they probably don't want to pay that buyout but if things get bad enough they will definitely pay that buyout so I don't get too hung up on that buyout. I think it can definitely be paid, and uh, they can definitely find a way to get them out if they do indeed want them out. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much all I have to say. I just I, I hope Gus Malzahn is not the coach in 2020. But, okay. That is all I have on Auburn and Georgia. Tough loss. Auburn very easily could have won that and been in the playoff picture even with two losses, which would have been a miracle in itself. But it did not happen that way, unfortunately, for Auburn and Auburn fans. So we will move on, Zach. So what else do we have here, Zach? Do you want to go ahead and jump in the pick six? I mean, obviously, Auburn plays Samford. Alabama plays Western Carolina. Not a lot to get into there. Just hope everybody heals up, stays healthy uh, to go into that Iron Bowl. Yeah, for Alabama, we just hope no one else gets hurt at this point, and yeah. you have enough to field a team. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Zach, so let's get into pick six for week 13. Uh, not a lot of good games on the schedule, but uh, there there's a few decent ones that we can get into. Yeah, we'll start out with the with the big numbers, Alabama and Auburn. Alabama is a 58-point favorite at home against Western Carolina. 
Whew, that's a lot of points to score with your backup quarterback. I'm going to go with Western Carolina to cover that one. Yep, me too. That is an insane number. <laughs> that is a, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I've seen a 60-point spread before. <laughs> uh, Auburn is a 48-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Sanford. I think I'm going to go with Sanford as well. This Auburn offense, they might can get 50 points in this one, but if they do, I think I think Sanford could get a late touchdown. I don't think Auburn's going to cover that. I'll take Auburn in this one. I think they can run the ball at will against Sanford and, and probably hang up 55 points or so if they yeah. want to. Uh, Ohio State is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Penn State. This is kind of your marquee game of the week. Yeah, I mean, you would think Ohio State's going to have to struggle at some point. Uh, it seemed like it could happen in this Penn State game. 17.5 is a lot of points to cover, so I'm, I'm going to go with Penn State. I'm going to go with Ohio State here. I think they can uh, I think they can really show here what kind of dominant team they are offensively and defensively, and I'm not sure how good Penn State really is. Uh, kind of wonder if they were maybe a little overvalued uh, to the first – you know, three quarters of the season. All right. Baylor is a five and a half point favorite at home against Texas. I'll take Texas to cover here. Not sure if they can, can win because of their defense, but I think they can at least keep it somewhat a close game. Yeah. I think Texas is going to cover here as well. I think Baylor has, you know, put on a pretty face and gotten a long ways, but I I think the wheels are going to start to come off here a little bit for them. All right, Georgia is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Texas A&M. Texas A&M had a kind of an up-and-down season. They played a really tough schedule, so that's been kind of part of it. Uh, I worry about Georgia's offense being able to score enough to, yeah. to cover that, so I'm, I'm going to take Texas A&M. Yeah, I think I'm going A&M as well. I mean, this could be a sneaky game for Georgia to kind of uh, not saying much directly in between, but coming off of that big Auburn game and looking ahead to LSU a little bit in the championship game now that they have the East locked up, I think Texas A&M very well could win this game. This could be an upset. I think Texas A&M covers for sure just because Georgia's offense is not good, and uh, they very well could win this one. All right, and finally, Oklahoma is a 19-point favorite home against TCU. Uh I don't think the Oklahoma defense again can uh, can do enough to keep uh, keep a lead that that high against uh, against TCU. TCU has been kind of pesky against some other you know good Big Twelve competition. So I'll take TCU to cover the number. I don't think they'll win, but I think they'll keep it within nineteen. All right, I think Oklahoma's going to cover here. I think they're coming out to make a point after struggling against Baylor and kind of being left behind in the playoff picture a little bit. I think they. Come out here, win really big to prove a point to the playoff committee and try to get into that four spot. All right, that's it for the pick six. I'm going to double down on Ohio State to try to catch up here. Just one? You don't want to double down on any more? No, I'll save my complete desperation for next week. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) I think I'm just going to hold steady here since I have a lead. I'm going to play it safe, not going to double down on any of them. Although... I do like Western Carolina a lot, and I do like A&M a lot, but I like I like all my picks a lot, to be honest. I, Oklahoma, A&M, and Western Carolina are the ones I'm most confident, but I'm going to stay away from the, uh, the double down this week. All right. 
we'll see how that goes. All right, Zach. So things coming down the wire there in the pick six. Things coming down the wire in the college football season as well. Zach, you have any truth or trash here for us? Anything come to your mind at all that you wanna you wanna talk about? Truth or trash? Uh, not this time. Alabama have, still has a hope. Of, I have plenty of them for uh, for next week. Okay. Alabama still has a hope in the playoff picture. Truth. Yeah, it's hanging on by a thread. But yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Just checking. All right, so I guess that does it for this week's episode. A nice little episode for you there. We had some some good football to talk about, but it was bad outcomes. Obviously, Tua going down sucks. Auburn losing sucks. So hopefully next week with Western Carolina and Sanford being a little bit of a better mood, we'll have the Iron Bowl to look forward to. Uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Things are looking up. Things are looking up. So some good times ahead for us here on the Iron Bowl Hour. Be sure to tune in next week for that Iron Bowl preview episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to that. Going to be a lot to get into in that one, a lot to dissect there. So going to be a lot of fun. Going to be one of the best episodes of the season. So be sure to tune in for that and uh, tell some friends about it as well. Everybody's going to want to get hyped for that Iron Bowl matchup. I know we're going to be hyped for it. So you can get hyped for it too on the Iron Bowl Hour as well as your friends or family. Tell everybody about it. About it. And uh, follow us on all the social media platforms at Iron Bowl Hour. And uh, subscribe and review wherever you get your podcast. So yeah, thanks for listening. We always appreciate it. And we will be back next week. So until